is Building on the Solid Rock with Pastor Troy Neely of Calvary Chapel's Solid Rock. Let every family find faith in the Father's love. This is where it begins. This is our cry, this is our song, Jesus the way. We find our life in Him. Are you willing to follow the Lord? Do you want to follow Him? If so, guess what? You get entered into His intense discipleship program. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's intense. It's not easy. There are some serious lessons that we learn. It's hard. We don't always understand, but we know we need to walk by faith. Sometimes we have fear, but we trust in Him. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. So what Jesus is preparing his people for is mind-blowing. Are you facing something that you don't understand? Are you struggling with faith when the future looks so bad? Your eyes tell you one thing, but God tells you the opposite. Can I trust God? In today's message, Pastor Troy tells us that Martha faced the same struggle. Her brother Lazarus is dead. But Jesus says he will live again. When our feelings and intellect run contrary to Jesus' words, we must set them aside and trust him. Let's embrace God's plan and purpose in every area of our lives. Now, here's Pastor Troy in John chapter 11 as he begins his message, Come to the Comforter. We are in John chapter 11, verses 17 through 32. The title today is Come to the Comforter. Death is the great enemy of life, isn't it? I mean, uh, when you want to live life, death sort of gets in the way. Paul told the Corinthians that one of the last enemies to be destroyed was going to be death. Death would be done away with. It's hard for us to understand or comprehend death being an enemy because it's just always been part of life. But it wasn't the way it was meant to be as we'll see in Jesus' heart as things unfold at this uh, funeral for Lazarus that we'll see. We'll we'll be at the funeral next time. For now, it's kind of what we expect, though, isn't it? Death. We know that at some point, death is going to visit everyone. All die. And it doesn't matter. Uh, Some live to a good old age. Others die far too soon. But death visits all of us. And today we're going to read some really good news, though, about death, the whole death scenario. See, there's been a theme that Jesus has been methodically working into the mindset of his disciples, slowly but surely, saying it again and saying it on this occasion, saying it on this occasion, and he's going to give a very vivid illustration of his power, and that is the idea of resurrection that there is a resurrection, that there is life after death, and that you don't just cease to exist when death happens. Remember, we've been talking about this intense discipleship program that God has his disciples on, and all of us as well. So what he's done is he's announced to them 
on a few occasions that he's going to be killed and raised again. He says both. I'm going I'm to be killed. I'm going to be given into the hands of them and, and be killed and raised. And all his disciples hear is, you're going to be dead. You're going to be killed. Not so. This is not going to happen. We're not going to let this happen. But they don't hear the resurrection part. That's just so far beyond their thinking right now. He's also demonstrated his power. He's raised a few. And he's going to do that again with someone very close to them named Lazarus. We're not going to get that far today. But Lazarus will be raised after four days. Uh, we'll talk about this more later on. But, you know, most of them are, hey, so-and-so's dead. Or he goes by a funeral and raises them, you know, because when, when you're at a funeral, normally it's because they died that day. They buried that day because they didn't, they didn't embalm. They buried the same day. So Jesus was healing and raising the dead, but usually they were a day dead. But um, Lazarus is dead for four days. We'll talk why that's significant, why John may mention that. But ultimately, this leads us to his own resurrection of himself. You know, it's one thing that this guy has the power to raise others, but when he dies, can he raise himself? Can he be raised? Does he, is he still active? And Jesus will clearly let them know he absolutely has that authority and that power. So what is this information that when it finally sinks in, all of this that they're taking in, all of this that they're hearing, what does it do for the disciples? I'll tell you what it does. After Jesus' resurrection, and with all of this understanding about what power he has, what authority he has, and the fact that there is a resurrection after this, a resurrection in Christ, they become unstoppable witnesses for Christ, bold, in fact, willing to die martyrs because they understand death has nothing on me, has no hold. It's just a doorway. So they don't worry about death because they know now that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. In fact, that is their central message as they go forth. Their central message is the resurrection. That's the hope. Now, the cross, yes. Yes, everything points to the cross. We're sinners. We need the cross. However, if all you have is the cross, then you have a message that's no more hopeful than any criminal who had died on a cross. But because there was a resurrection, it makes a big difference. So the assurance of the resurrection transforms their lives. It's not over. Well, before they get there, and we'll get there uh, soon, um, maybe next week, before they get there in their faith, they first have to learn that you got to learn by faith to come to the Comforter. You come to the Lord. So in verse 17, we read this. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been dead in the tomb four days. Remember, Jesus had delayed, so he kind of was waiting and knew all of this. Verse 18, now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. Many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. 
He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Let's first talk about this encounter between Jesus and Martha. This is a a personal relationship that Martha's had with Jesus. Lazarus has already been in the tomb four days. He's, He's dead. The reason I believe that John includes the number of days here is very important because among some of the Jews, there was a superstition that some of the rabbis had written out saying that the spirit of a person hovers over that person after they die for about three days until the body start, until decay sets in and there's no possible chance that you know, it could wake up or something. And then it can depart and go away. So John says it was four days, guys, four days, not three, not like, oh, the spirit was hovering and came back in Lazarus. But the idea John is trying to communicate is that Lazarus is dead and he's irreversibly dead. Like he's, he's gone. Right. Not partially dead, fully dead. When Martha hears that Jesus is coming, Martha goes out to meet him. And this isn't just outside, like, oh, hey, so-and-so's outside. Oh, okay, let me go outside. No, she hears he's coming. She travels and goes to meet him. It'd be like, hey, Jesus is on his way. He's coming from. And then you go out and you go all the way to meet him at, you know, 1604 and 281. You go way over there. We can't even see you. And where, where, where did they go? Over the hill, you know. They went to go meet him on the way. So her first comment to him is, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, you you can see that she's sort of putting some blame there on Jesus. If you'd been here, if you'd done what you should do, then this might not have happened. But we know that she's not angry. She's going through angry emotions. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But she's not angry literally angry at him. And we can tell because of the rest of the discussion. But let me tell you something about Martha. We learn in just the the, the little glimpses of her life. Martha is an active person and she's a doer. She's a go-getter. She didn't wait for Jesus to get there. She went. And he wasn't just outside. She went. He's coming. I got something. I got to tell him. I got to pour out my heart. I got to talk to him. I got to get some answers. Martha is a doer. She's proactive. She's a problem solver. Now, Mary, her sister, Mary's in the same place we always find Mary, on the ground. (laughs) Mary, when Jesus was there, she's at his feet. Mary now is too, too emotionally involved to do anything. Mary, when she does go, and we'll see her, we'll talk about her too, she goes to Jesus. First thing she does, plop down at his feet again. That's Mary. She's emotionally all in and it wears her out. She's one of those, her heart is just out there. She's not an administrative type. That'd be more Martha. Let's get it done. You need those Marthas. Mary's just like, I feel this. I'm feeling it. And she's all there. Let me say something about the grieving process, though. Mary's still sitting inside, overcome by emotion. Martha's trying to get answers to process everything, and we all process these things different. There's not a right way. One person's way is better than another's. But let me tell you something about grieving. 
Don't put too much weight on what some people might say during the grieving process. Like Martha. And and we're going to find these two, they must have talked to each other a lot about how this could have ended up differently if Jesus had come because the first thing Mary will say is the same exact thing like they've been talking about this. And so during the grieving process, we can say things we don't necessarily mean or we haven't thought all the way through. Stay tuned to hear more from today's teaching on building on the solid rock. Pastor Troy Neely has been sharing insights from God's Word with us. He'll have much more to share on the next part of this message. We're so glad you've tuned in today. We pray you've been encouraged and challenged by what you've heard. If you've been touched by this program or if you have any questions about Building on the Solid Rock, we'd love to hear from you. Send an email to info at buildingonthesolidrock.com. That's info at buildingonthesolidrock.com. You can also find out more about this program by visiting buildingonthesolidrock.com. Listen to previous teachings as well and even subscribe to our podcast. Now here's Pastor Troy with more of today's message. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross was a Swiss-born psychiatrist. She did a lot of research on death and dying and how people experience or process these things. She had watched and counseled families, many families, through times of death. She noted that there are some normal and typical stages of the grieving process. One was denial. No. No, maybe it's wrong. No, it couldn't be. Unless, of course, it was expected. They were on life support, and you know it could happen at any time. But at some point, there's a denial. Like, no, no, not now. Why? And so you get the news, and you think, maybe it's a mistake. Maybe it's not leading to death. Two is anger. Anger will set in. You're wrestling with it, and you begin to place the blame. It seems like where Martha is sort of struggling right now. If this had happened, if you had done this, this this didn't have to happen. If he had taken better care of himself, whatever it might be. And so there's an you go through some anger and some frustration and some blaming. Three is bargaining. There can be a time of bargaining. If I could just have one more conversation, Lord, if you could just tell them this for me. And there's a bargaining like if I could just have one more interaction, one more encounter, one more thing, because it's never enough. Four was depression. Depression sets in. The reality that this is, this is the case sets in. That it'll never be the same. You start really thinking about the loss Yes, they're in heaven, but I'll, I'll never have them here as, as a brother or a family member or a friend. The depression phase is where sometimes people hit a brick wall and they, they just stay there. They get stuck. You hear parents, they'll, they'll lose a child, and though they have three others, they'll go, you know, I just want to die. I just want to die and be with my child. And they're not thinking clearly, and they're stuck in that phase. And then five is acceptance where you finally come to terms with this is life. This is where we're at, and I'm going to make it, and there is still life to be lived. I tried to filter this through my own experience when my dad passed away. You know, I have a strong faith. I trust the Lord, and so I didn't do a whole, whole lot of extended grieving. And so I went through this, and honestly, I I could say I went through all of these probably in two hours. 
<laughs> I didn't, before he, I even got the word that he was actually dead, I was there knocking on his apartment. I got that sinking feeling. I called, I tried to call, I was going to his apartment to check on him and let him know that all the uploads he had done for our very first website move was completed and I wanted him to look at it. He had done it, so he had finished it all and then I guess that was it. That was the last work God had for him. So I went to go and, um, and go check and, and I was calling this in, in I went through the negative. No, no, no. He's no. He's no. There's no way. Knocking, knocking. TV's on. I can't see inside. His car's there, and it's like, no, it can't be. It can't be. So I wrestle with that. And then there was the anger that I quickly passed through. Like he knew he had heart. He should have done. And then the bargaining. Lord, I just need to. All this very, very quickly. Let him be okay. Just let. Oh, just let this be a dream. Then the depression where you realize, and that was that night, a sleepless night, where I thought, he's, he's God. I don't even want to wake up tomorrow, Lord, to this. I don't want to deal with it. But the next day in the funeral, and I'm doing my dad's funeral, or not his funeral wasn't the next day, but you have to start getting things prepared and, and plan and, and all of that. Notify family members that it is actual, and it really happened. The acceptance came in pretty quickly. Um, but the thing about being a believer, a Christian, is you don't have to get stuck in any of those phases. You can move through them and very quickly come to the place that, God, you are in control. I'm so glad for eternal life. The older we get, the more we experience death around us, the more we come to terms with, this is not my home. I imagine at some point in our lives, there are more people in heaven than here for us. We'd rather see. And we go, you know, it's time. So she said, I can follow this as a typical pattern in almost every grief in a time of loss. At some point, to some degree, people will follow this. So I just want to say this, guys. Grieving is not wimpy. Hurting and going through the grieving process is not wimpy, it's not unbiblical, and it doesn't mean you don't have faith. I've heard people say that you have a lack of faith if you grieve. It's not true. I don't know where they get this idea, but even Jesus, who knows he's going to heal, and we'll talk about this again next week, weeps, groans in his spirit, it says. It's actually healthy. Normal to go through the grieving process. I tried to not shed tears and stuff like like that publicly, and it's hard because you get the lump in your throat. It's there. You try to contain yourself. You fall apart as a strong person in the family. Then they lose it. So you try to show your strength, and you want to do that. But grieving is healthy, and it's normal. I heard a pastor say, let grief do its work. Trump every inch of the sorrowful way. Drink every drop of the bitter cup for those who truly love will say that they have found in sorrow a new joy in Christ, one which only the brokenhearted can know. It brings you closer to the Lord. It causes you to experience his nearness. Now, why does Martha say if you had been here, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died? Well, obviously it was at the forefront of her mind. Maybe her and Mary were just discussing this. But it also shows that 
She's stuck in her limited understanding. She's not thinking clearly. She's only thinking based upon how she can understand, how she can perceive in her worldly mindset. Because first, she says, if you had been here, even then, she should have known better. Jesus said the word and people were healed. He didn't have to go. He didn't have to be there. So that was one thing she was missing out on that she needs to understand. But also, there's this idea that you were late. If you'd been, you missed it. Now he's dead. You're late. But see, Jesus is going to prove that there's no such thing as late for Jesus. He's never late. And there's never such thing as late. Oh, he's really dead now. I don't know if you can resurrect him. Oh, yeah. And he'll come out and he doesn't even stinketh anymore. So he's going to come out. It's kind of a comical scene. We'll see again next week. Try not to jump ahead. Verse 22 makes it sound like that she comes around. You know, she says this. Then it seems like she's, oh, but I know that, uh, you know, you ask, you ask the Father and, and he'll do it. It sounds like she comes around going, oh, but I know that you still can do it. But I don't think that's really what's going on in her heart when she says that. It seems more like she catches herself and then says the spiritual thing. If you would have only been here, but I know if you, if you ask... And here's why I say that. Because Jesus is going to go to the grave site. He's going to have them roll away the stone and he's going to perform a miracle. He's going to resurrect. But when he goes and he wants the stone removed, she goes, no, no, he stinks by now. She doesn't have hope. She's not in expectation that anything is going to happen. And so she's struggling with what she believes and what she can see, what she's experienced and what she feels. And this is a very real struggle that we can all face at times. And we need to learn to take our mind and our feelings and, and put them aside because they don't tell us the truth. It's the Lord who tells us the truth. When he says he can raise, when he can resurrect, when he is in control, then we've got to understand that. And we've got to say, okay, Lord, you're in control. Then you must have a good purpose in all of this. But like so many, we all have times where we might struggle. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't reconcile with what I feel and what I see. So we can ask questions like, Lord, where were you when my child died? Where were you? This doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem loving. And we can ask the question, or when my marriage dissolved, and now I'm in this situation, or when my father turned to alcohol, son or daughter walked away from you. Where were you? Why did you let this happen? And we can turn to blaming the Lord for things because we're not in our right mind. One, we've forgotten that people have choices to make. Everything that happens down here, the bad things that happen, they're not God's fault. Could he stop them? Yes. But just like he's going to tell Martha. In fact, let's read that now. Jesus says, your brother will rise again. Well, she says, I know. He'll rise. In, in the end, the last day, the resurrection. I know, I know how I have heard it. But Jesus responds. He says, verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Now, this is something because Lazarus just died. And he says they will never die. 
So what is he saying? Her faith is being challenged. What does this mean? Thanks for joining us today on Building on the Solid Rock. We hope you've learned some new things today as Pastor Troy taught through the Gospel of John. If you'd like to hear today's message again, please visit our website at buildingonthesolidrock.com. We also have an archive of previous messages available to you free of charge, ready to be listened to online, or even downloaded and shared with friends and family. We're so blessed to be a part of your life in this way, and we'd love to hear how you've been impacted by Building on the Solid Rock. Feel free to send us an email to info at buildingonthesolidrock.com. We love being able to connect with our listeners in this way, and your feedback helps us continue to build this ministry. Next time, Pastor Troy will share more from the Gospel of John and express additional examples of how Jesus proved he was unlike any other man that has ever lived. Join us then right here on Building on the Solid Rock. Let the light of Christ shine as we grow in